What's up and welcome to Ask Father Josh, the podcast where I get to listen to your questions, pray with them, and hopefully respond in such a way that is helpful for you in your walk toward becoming the saint that God desires for you to be. Here's how the show goes. You hit me up with questions dealing with anything and everything from morality to spirituality, evangelization, discipleship, catechesis, apologetics, relationship advice. And I will then take your questions and pray with them and try to respond in a way that is helpful for you to grow in virtue to to become a saint. If you're a first-time listener, you can hit me up with your own questions, comments, and critiques um, from today's show and for future shows at askfatherjosh at ascensionpress.com. On today's show, we're going to talk about uh, boycotting Netflix. Uh, we're also going to talk about same-sex love and specifically um, same-sex um, relationships that are sexual. <laughs> Um, and we're going to talk about uh, leaving the priesthood and the ramifications of that for the men who choose to do that after they've been ordained. But before we get into those hot topics, uh, we're going to share a glory story. So my glory story this week is about my kids in my parish. Y'all, these, these past two weeks, we've been doing this thing called the Love and Mercy Academy and Stephanie Cloat Davis and her team have come in town to help us do this, as well as my awesome team. You know, Jamie is my DRE, and she's been rocking it, and Brandy, and Wendy, and Jenny, and uh, and Karen. Just the whole team. The whole team's been amazing. I have these awesome religious that have come in, uh, the poor friars and little nuns of Jesus and Mary, uh, as well as the Mercedarian Sisters of the Blessed Sacrament. And so we've been walking with our middle school students and helping them to just recognize and know how much God loves them, how much God wants to be in a relationship with them, the gift of the church, the gift of the sacred scriptures, the gift of tradition, the gift of the rosary, uh, the gift of the saints in our walk toward eternity, that all these people in the body of Christ, the roles that they play to help us to fall in love with Jesus and stay in love with Jesus. And it's been so cool because in my last assignment, before I was uh, became a pastor a few years ago, I was the associate pastor at St. Aloysius. And I was able to really spend a lot of time with the kids because I didn't really have much responsibility. Um, I, I did. Now nah, I take that back. I did have a lot of responsibility, but I still wasn't a pastor. There's even more responsibility that comes with being a pastor um, than being an associate. I think sometimes people, they wonder, like, why pastors um, aren't always at everything, and the associate pastor normally is, and it's because he's a pastor. And there's just a lot more stuff that pastors have to do that associate pastors don't have to deal with. And so... Uh, I, I totally have a different perspective on on that relationship now that I'm a pastor. But when I was the associate pastor, or par- parochial vicar is the appropriate term, um, I was able to every Monday do um, a lot of activities with the school. And then I would go to classrooms throughout the week and I would teach some classes here and I would do events with the kids and pray with them. And I was just able to do so much formation with those students at St. Aloysius that um, as a pastor, I'm just not able to do um, with all of my students here because I, number one, we don't have a Catholic school, um, but I, I'm also responsible for everybody, right? Everybody, the mom, the young people, the old people, the young adults, the middle-aged adults, the dying, the sick, the, everybody. And so it's just been very difficult. So we've, we've been trying to find a way for me to be able to be present to the to our middle school kids and to, to really all of our kids. And so we've been shifting a lot of our, our youth ministry and one of the things that we've, we've implemented is an option for the middle school kids to not only do Sunday family faith formation, which is where they meet on Sundays with their parents, and we form the parents and the kids on Sunday mornings before Mass, but also a two-week middle school um, for religious education called Love and Mercy Academy. And so we started this academy up, and 
it's been so much fun having daily mass with the kids and having Eucharistic adoration daily with the kids and praising um, contemporary praise music and the recitation of the rosary and studying theology with them and apologetics and, and just playing with them and getting to know their, their names. Right? I've been their pastor for a couple of years and some of them I'm just getting to know their names now uh, because I'm, I'm with them every day for these, for these two weeks. And it's been delightful. It has been so, so delightful to be with these, these sons and daughters of God and to, and to collaborate with all my volunteers from my parish. I have so many parishioners who stepped up to the plate to volunteer, and we've been having so much fun um, with, with this, with this uh, summer school program that we put together. And uh, so that's my glory story. My glory story is just being able to, to father my kids and spiritually father my kids and, uh, and also collaborate with so many different laity and religious and, and priests um, to, to help these kids fall in love with Jesus and stay in love with Jesus, hopefully, in their walk toward eternity. So that's the glory story for today. Shout out to the Love and Mercy Academy. All right, and before we get into today's topics, we have some follow-up from previous episodes. Our first feedback comes from Anonymous. Anonymous writes this. Dear Father Josh, I hope this email finds you well. Father, I want to say a big thank you. I just want to say that I'm thankful for having you in my... I can't sing today. I can't sing y'all this morning. I got up at 3 o'clock today, and uh, I, uh, I was driving this morning, and I hit a bug. And when I hit the bug, I went from singing to screaming. And uh, it wasn't one of my most proud moments. But anyways, I just want to say a big thank you for your reply to my email. When I heard you for the first time, I broke down and cried. I did not know much about St. Josephine Bakita before your podcast, but went to read up on her after your sharing. She was a beautiful saint with a faithful heart. I was inspired by her life. Father, it has almost been six months since the incident, and I must share that I've been attending daily Mass without fail for the past three months. Praise God. The church has become my peaceful sanctuary, and I feel joy, Mass. I pray the rosary and divine mercy every day, too. I also feel that I've become a stronger person, but I know it will take time for me to heal completely. But I have to thank God for being with me throughout this healing journey. I met a nun and a priest who are big pillars in my life now. They've been so encouraging. Father, I'm starting to feel blessed because I know that what happened to me was not of God's will. But during this period, I received so much love and support. Father, I was also blessed with a stable job so I can continue to support my family. It's not easy, Father, but I've come to realize that God's unconditional love is true. I'm grateful. Thank you, Father Josh. Also, thank you to the listener who wrote in to say that he was praying for me. I was truly touched. Continue to inspire, Father Josh. Your impact is so positive. I hope you will realize your meaningful impact on our lives. You certainly made me feel so much better. God bless Anonymous. Praise God, Anonymous. Yeah, I will I will certainly continue to pray for you. And I'm so grateful that um, you are sharing with me the ways in which the Holy Spirit has been working in your life these past three months. What a gift. All right. And our second feedback comes from Christina. Dear Father Josh, I heard about your brother. I will keep him and his family in my prayers and may God provide them the help they need to recover. Also, I have recently began to listen to your podcast and I want to thank you very much because they are very helpful and I learn a lot 
And thank you for writing Broken and Blessed. It is truly inspiring to read a sincere and powerful account from a representative of Jesus. May he keep speaking to us through you. I'll be praying for you, and please pray for me, Father. I'm a graduate student at St. John's University in Queens, New York. I'm from New York, and I am also trying to discern my vocation. Christina, I am so grateful that you're praying for my brother and his family. They're doing well. Praise God. Yeah, they're doing well. They're super grateful. My brother Matt and I spoke recently, and he really recognizes that God worked an absolute miracle in their lives by protecting um, him and his babies. Um, oh, you know, whenever the, the tornado hit, it's just it's a, it's a miracle. And so it's just a gift to, to, to recognize that God has a plan um, for them to still do work for his kingdom. Um, right? They weren't called to eternity just yet. And so they still have work to do to build the kingdom of God. And so, yeah, um, and I will pray for you. I will pray for you to become a great saint. I will pray for you to be more in love with Jesus Christ today than you've ever been in your life before. And I'll pray for you to be used by God to help all of us remain faithful to Jesus and our walk toward eternity. All right, let's get jumping into today's topics. Our first question is from Ryan. Ryan writes this, Hey, Father, I am Catholic, and I'm also a gay man. I feel like I agree with most teachings of the church, uh, but this issue is insurmountable for for me. Um, I want to fall in love and truly believe that I can have a healthy sexual relationship with the man. Why can't I have this? Uh, and also, why does the church insist on using the term same-sex attraction um, as opposed to, to gay uh, and homosexual? Ryan. Ryan, uh, first of all, I want to thank you so much for the way in which God has used you to help me uh, just spend so much more time with Jesus um, since I got your question. I've been praying for you a lot. I've been praying for you a lot. I've been praying over you. Um, I and, and because of the amount of time I spent praying before I responded to this question, I was really drawn to Jesus in a deeper way. And I'm grateful to you, brother, for the way that you were able to be used by God to do this. So thank you, first of all, because I just want you to know God used you to draw me to spend more time on my knees in my chapel with Jesus before the Eucharist. So thank you, thank you, thank you. You are a gift to me um, more than you will ever know. Um, and my prayer for you, gosh, it was all over the place. And so I guess I should first acknowledge I'm not a mystic and I'm not infallible. So I'm going to share with you some of the insights I perceived in prayer. Um, and I'll share those with you. And, and I hope they're helpful. Um, but again, I'm not, I'm not infallible and my prayer could, you know, whatever. My, my insights might not be 100% right, perfect, but I think that they're good enough for me to share with you now. And, um, and I just want to, I want to accompany you. And so the first thing that just kept coming up in prayer was the woman at the well in the gospel of John, um, especially like, I guess with regards to like your desire to have a healthy sexual relationship with a man. Um, and I'm just going to share my prayer with you. So in my prayer, I was drawn to the woman at the well. And here's a woman who kept um, grasping after men. She was grasp, grasping after these different men and, and, and she was, um, she was married to five of them, and the guy she was currently with, by the time she went to the well, wasn't even her husband. And it was almost as if they became an idol for her. But all these men that she was with, none of them could satisfy her. None of them could do it for her. And and she just kept grasping after man after man after man, and it just wasn't working out because she wasn't created for a finite person. Um, her heart and your heart and my heart, all of our hearts, we have this, like, ache 
and we really long like for this egg to be satiated. But if we ever stop at the the creature and not the creator, we're gonna be left unfulfilled. And uh, a sexual relationship is not the end, right? A healthy sexual relationship is not the end for which you were created for, or, or even me. I was. It's we weren't. That's not the end. A healthy sexual relationship for some can potentially be a means to draw them to the end, who is God, but it can't be the end in itself. Um, whenever we stop at the at the at the creature and think the creature is supposed to do it for us, not only will we be left unsatisfied, but the other person will also be very tormented because they will recognize that we're trying to ask them to do something for us that only God can do. And so when Jesus Christ went to the well, he went to this woman who was grasping after these idols of relationships, and he let her know that she was created for him and that he wanted to satisfy her and he wanted to fill her and he wanted to give her something that would that would uh, place her in a disposition where she could finally rest. And St. Augustine says this, our hearts are restless and say, rest in you, O God. And she was so restless and God was just saying like, yo, I want to fulfill you. I want to be number seven. I want to be the perfect man in your life. You've tried six. Why not try number seven? Why not try me? And so I, I know you're Catholic right now. And, um, and because you're Catholic, you have access to the bread of life. And so as I prayed for you, Ryan, the bread of life just kept coming up. And, and also like your desire for, for the man for the masculine, like you desire this man. And, and, and the reality is, is like uh, what I was perceiving in prayer, right? This is the reality of my prayer is that the, the desire to, to become one um, with, with, with this man uh, is, is a disordered desire until it's ordered to the man, Jesus Christ, like his body, his body, blood, soul, and divinity, the two becoming one flesh at Holy Communion, at Mass. Like that's the body, that's the, that's the body that you were created to receive, the body of Jesus Christ. He's the body, the one that I think that you're really ultimately, like if we get down to the core desire, that's the body you're designed to take into your body and become one flesh with. And whenever we become one flesh with the body of Christ, behold the man Christ, um, in the Eucharist, uh, there's healing. There's healing that happens, like legit, authentic healing happens. Oh, man, beautiful healing. We get life from it. In John chapter 6, Jesus Christ says, if you eat my flesh and drink my blood, the body and blood of Christ, um, he says, you will have eternal life. We get healing. We get life. Healing and life come from receiving holy communion, receiving communion of Christ. Like that's the one that we are created for. That's the marriage that we really long for is the marriage between us and our bridegroom, Christ. We are the church. He is the bridegroom. We are the bride and all of us are the bride. And and he's drawing all of us into this beautiful marriage feast that we're able to taste now. We don't have to wait for heaven. We can taste the marriage feast now on earth in the mass. That's what we were created for. And so um, yeah, I was really drawn to, to that in my prayer today, but then I was also drawn to just like the reality of the, um, the dangers that come from a sexual relationship with someone of the same gender and specifically, especially for like men. Um, you said you want a healthy sexual relationship. So health, good health, like health is restored and renewed in the Eucharist. Health is restored and renewed in Christ and that relationship um, but whenever we are in relationship, sexual relationship with other men, um, there's a lot of dangers that come from that that aren't healthy. 
So, um, and love is always designed the greatest good for the beloved. And so if I love the other person, I don't want to put them in a situation where I can be the reason why they're experiencing physical pain. I could be the reason why they're experiencing illness and disease. One thing that is common for um, relationships, same-sex relationships between two men is, is mouth-to-anal contact. Um, and so basically, um, the two men, right, you want to, you're attracted to this other guy and, and you don't want to just share things emotionally, but you want to share things sexually. And so you, you engage in anal sex. Um, again, the penis is not created for the anus, right? The, the penis is created for the vagina. That's the complementary of the sex, complementarity of the sexes. So when the penis and the vagina go into each other, fruit comes from that. A new life comes from that. Um, but whenever the penis goes into an anus, um, you have to recognize there's trauma that can be caused um, to the anus um, because of the sodomy. Um, but also there's like fecal matter in the anus and 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 that's and there's in sperm and sperm goes into the fecal matter like th- that's how even in monogamous relationships uh there's sexually transmitted diseases that happen whenever someone's um you know penis is around the anus because of what's what's down there right it wasn't created for sex it was created to to poop <laughs> and and then what often happens in many homosexual relationships and this is just statistics speaking like from medical research is there's a lot of oral sex that happens and so um if you have anal sexual relationship with somebody and then you have oral sexual relationship with somebody you're now transmitting what was down there in the booty to the mouth and then so there's a lot of um diseases that come from that a lot of sicknesses, a lot of illness can come from that because of the fecal material material, material that's found in the, in the booty. So it's honestly, it's just not healthy, right? There are so many diseases that come from this, even monogamous relationships. So it's, it's not really possible to, to have healthy. Even you say, well, what if I wear a condom when we have sex? Well, it's still the anus is it's, it's an exit only part of our body. It's not meant for injury. And so it's not prepared to receive a penis. And so whereas a, 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 a vagina can receive a penis and it could um, in such a way that it, you know, whatever, you know what I mean? The, the anus isn't, right? The anus can be really hurt. The rectum could be damaged um, because of something entering into it. And so again, if we love somebody that we want to, our two becoming one flesh, our two bodies coming to each other to be a life-giving thing, to, to bring about health and healing and, and life? Or do we want to bring about damage and, and hurt and pain and suffering that's unnecessary? So the church really cares about you. And the, the church is the bride of Christ. And the church has given us what Jesus says. And Jesus cares about you. And Jesus does not want for, for us to hurt people. He does not want for us to hurt the body of Christ. Uh, the body of Christ was already hurt 2,000 years ago. He doesn't want to be hurt anymore. He doesn't want to be abused anymore. And that's really what can take place whenever we, we try to do things that our bodies weren't created to do. Um, gosh, it's just it's dangerous. It's really dangerous. Uh, the, the church typically uses this language of same-sex relationships, same-sex desires, because we're talking about your desires here. Um, we, we don't want to identify people um, with like the gay lifestyle, because with the identification of the gay lifestyle, we're identifying someone with their sexual desires, and you're more than your sexual desires. Um, you're more than that. You're beloved son of God the Father. You're a necessary member of the body of Christ. You are a man 
who Jesus Christ desires to be in a living relationship with, who he is calling to become a saint in your walk toward eternity and to use you to help other people fall in love with God. Um, and, and so we don't want to just minimize someone's identity to a sexual desire. And so that's why we typically refer to this person as same-sex desires. They want to be involved in a same-sex relationship um, as opposed to embracing uh, the, the gay lifestyle and, and everything that it, that it, is, it proposes. Um, the scriptures are also a, a gift to us. Um, this is another scripture that came to me as I prayed for you, Ryan. Um, and this, this particular scripture um, that came to me was from, from Jude. And so I, I just, I, I would encourage you to also pray with the reading from Jude, from Jude and, what, and what Jude says about um, unnatural sexual acts, right? Um, unnatural se- sexual acts do not bring about life. They just don't. Um, and, I, and so I would encourage you um, and really, I know I'm praying for you um, to, to lean into Jesus to be the one to satisfy you, to give you the life, lean into the, to Christ, behold the man, Christ, um, allow him to be the one who, who satisfies your heart, who fulfills your desires, and then make a gift of yourself to other people in a way that doesn't um, bring about unnecessary pain and suffering um, because of our desires, um, in a way that does not bring about even death because of our desires. Because you've been created for life. You've been created to an abundant life in union with Christ. And, and he wants that for you. And that's, and that's never found in unnatural sexual acts. It's just not. Um, it's, it's found in, in, in union with him. It's found whenever we abide with him. And so, yeah, I've been talking for a long time now. So I'm just going to stop right now. And, um, and let's just pray. Let's pray. Come, Holy Spirit. Come, Holy Spirit. Come, Holy Spirit of Christ. Come, Holy Spirit. Thank you for thirsting for us, Jesus. Thank you for thirsting to be in a relationship with us, Jesus. Give us the grace that we need to thirst to be in a relationship with you, not according to our standards, but according to your will and your way in your time, for our sanctification, for our good, for the transformation of our community, and so that we can glorify your name. Amen. Okay, Ryan, so let's continue to walk with each other. Um, Let's continue to accompany each other. Let's continue to pray for and with each other. Hopefully I shared something that might be of help for you to grow in virtue and to become the saint that that you are called to be. You're called to be a saint. You are called to be a canonized saint. Um, So let's keep walking with each other. Next question comes in from Janine. Janine writes about Netflix and boycotting Netflix. She says this, Hi, Father Josh. First, I want to thank you for your podcast. It's been a godsend because it has been helping me navigate evangelizing the faith while simultaneously growing deeper in my relationship with Christ. Plus, it feels like when I listen to your podcast, we're drinking coffee and chatting at the Fuller Grace Cafe, even though I live in California. What? How do you like your coffee? How do you like your coffee? Remember, I like mine like Halle Berry, Halle Berry. I like my coffee half black, half white. Um, Whenever I'm bad, I put sugar in it, but I try to stay away from sugar because it's not healthy for us. Um, But every now and then I do fall back into sugar in my coffee, which isn't the best. But this morning when I had my coffee, it was definitely half black, half white, and it was so good. So, Father... um, you're such a humble and wise priest. Well, I don't know about that. <laughs> I would like to be, uh, but I'm definitely uh, 
thank you. I'll just take your, I thank you. I take your affirmation. Uh, can I say that? Know that I carry you and all your brother priests in my prayers. For your prayers, Jeannie, I'm grateful. Here's some background before I ask my question. These questions are based off scrolling through some Catholic accounts on the Instagram. These accounts have been basing their posts off information that has been shared in the media about the recent heart bill, bills, heartbeat bills in the South. But I can't help but wrap my head around how divided the nation feels about life. Oh, me too. Um, praise God, these heartbeat bills are passing. Yes, indeed, praise God. Because it all boils down to life. Now, all these companies, such as Netflix, are saying that they will leave the state of Georgia because they passed or are passing a heartbeat bill. My question comes from seeing Catholic accounts on Instagram saying that their followers should cancel Netflix because they won't support Georgia and its heartbeat bill. When I asked my mom, who's a Catholic, she says it's okay to enjoy Netflix because we enjoy life too. Either way, it doesn't feel right. I just want to be a conscientious consumer of goods while standing firm for what our church believes in. So here's the question. If we like goods from certain companies like Netflix... Should we, the faithful, stop consuming goods from companies who are pro-choice altogether? Or should we stand in solidarity in what we believe in and quit Netflix? I'm not sure if it makes sense, but I hope it's clear what I'm asking. I look forward to hearing your answers to this question. Thank you, Father Josh Janine. That's actually a very great question. Um, and yeah, uh, I've spent a lot of time thinking about this question, not just with Netflix, but with a lot of places. I mean, there, there's a lot of businesses, there's a lot of supermarkets that many of us go to and shop at that, so, that support Planned Parenthood, which Planned Parenthood is the biggest abortion provider in our nation. Um, there's a lot of um, uh, coffee shops that support this. There's a lot of things that uh, many of us, uh, we enjoy some of their goods, and we, we don't go there to support Planned Parenthood. We go there because we like the coffee from that place, or we, we like the, the this particular supermarket because of its location to our geographical boundaries, or because of the goods they provide that maybe other people don't provide. Um, so, yeah, uh, that's it's actually a really great question that you're asking right now. So what I'm going to do while I still like wrestle with, because uh, I know like I think Monsignor Charles Pope came out recently and said we should boycott Netflix. And I love Monsignor Charles Pope's writings and I trust him and his leadership. Um, so I'm certainly down with that. Um, I, I'm just going to share with you some stories. And um, because I'm, I'm there's still places that I'm like, uh, how many places in our community support abortion? Um, and and, and it's, it's such an evil. It hurts so many babies and, and mothers and fathers. Um, so I'm going to share some stories with you, Janine. And I think these stories might help you in your discernment about potentially a, a boycotting Netflix um, if they pull out of Georgia because of their support for abortion. Um, and, and in Louisiana, our governor, who, by the way, is a Democrat governor, he is also passing um, bills um, against abortion. And so it's been very beautiful to, to, to see how even across the party lines, the political platforms, um, we have Catholics in office who are um, fighting for life and Christians in office who are fighting for life. Uh, but here's some stories that I guess I can share with you that might help you and your discernment with what you should do um, with regards to boycotting Netflix potentially. Um, my rector of the seminary, Father Jim Wainer, uh, whenever he was a, an associate pastor many years ago, a parochial vicar up in, I think, Philly, he was doing a lot of um, inner city ministry. And one of the things that he encountered was a lot of these kids that he was walking with. Um, they, would, they were using drugs and all this other stuff. And so he was trying to help them to get off of drugs and, and, and turn around and be virtuous men. But then one day he found out that they all had contraception. And he was like, wait a minute, y'all are little kids. What are y'all doing with contraception? And then so we, we got it from the pharmacy, you know, the neighborhood pharmacy. And so he went to the pharmacy and he, he spoke to the guy who owned the pharmacy. And he said, hey, look, I really think it's, uh, 
important that you know kids don't have contraception because it's giving them access and really license to go out and just have sex right now right um so i would appreciate if you didn't sell these kids contraception these are like small kids and uh and he said do you have to sell contraception like by by the state or by the is, is this something you have to do? the guy said no i'm, I'm a private owned drugstore and said, well i really want to encourage you to stop doing that and the guy said no you can't tell me what to do you're, you're in the church the church instead of my business y'all over there i'm over here whatever and father jim said to him he said look here's the deal if if you continue to sell contraception to these kids um, i'm going to make an announcement at mass and i'm going to invite my parishioners and encourage my parishioners to stop coming to your pharmacy and if they get their drugs from this pharmacy, then I'm going to get a new ministry started where we're going to um, drive the elderly who can't make it to this pharmacy to the next pharmacy in town. And and you're going to lose your your money, you're going to lose business, and you're going to shut down. And guess what that, that guy did at that drugstore? He stopped selling contraception, right? He didn't have to do it, and he stopped still selling it um, because the almighty dollar, he didn't want to lose the coin. Uh, same thing happened um, with Archbishop Amen in New Orleans, uh, he challenged Planned Parenthood whenever they were building an abortion clinic by one of our universities in Louisiana, and and he made it very clear to um, construction workers and electricians and people who put in fire alarms and people who who are who, who offer janitorial services and and people who put glass in the buildings and and carpenters. He said, if anybody works on this building. This, this abortion clinic in my archdiocese, you have no business here. He says, you cannot ever work again in any of our schools, hospitals, institutions, organizations, offices, buildings, outreach centers, none of that. And as many of you know, New Orleans is a very Catholic archdiocese, so there's a lot of Catholic schools. There's a lot of Catholic hospitals. There's a lot of Catholic institutions and organizations. And a lot of business leaders, a lot of construction workers, a lot of people who did maintenance work and electricians said, we don't want to lose our money. And so they would not work in, to build this abortion clinic. So it took Planned Parenthood a long time to, to make this abortion clinic happen because they had to, to get resources from out of the state because nobody would, would give them business. Uh, same thing happened with Archbishop Hughes and the Country Club in in in, uh, in Metairie. Uh, at one point, they would not let black people be members. And when I say at one point, I mean a few years ago. Uh, and when he found out, he wrote a pastor a letter and said he said that no Catholics should participate in any institution that does not allow diverse membership. When he came out with this letter, a lot of Catholics pulled their their membership from this Country Club, and the Country Club changed their practice and they began to allow black people to be members because they 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 missed out on the money. So I do believe that. If we could gather together as Catholics um, with our bishops and our pastors and our, our leaders and collectively um, boycott Netflix and say, if you're going to say that you are want to give money to abortion and we're going to pull, like Netflix would have to listen to us. I do believe if we did this to coffee shops that support Planned Parenthood, um, they would take away their support. I do believe if we did this collectively um, to supermarkets that support abortion, um, they would change where they give some of their money to, where they receive money from. Uh, so I, I think there's something to this. Uh, I, I think that, uh, yeah, I think there's something to this. I do. And so let's continue the conversation so we can discern how we can best collectively address some of these organizations and institutions that are supporting um, evils that if we pulled, they could potentially be reformed and they could, they could change. Even if it's for 
impure motives. If they change because of money, they still change. That's a good thing. Uh, so, yeah, uh, that's what I'm going to share with you for right now, Janine. Let me know what you think. Let me know if, if those stories um, were helpful with what you asked me in your question. Uh, what do y'all think, though? Let me know. Give me some of your insights. Hit me up at askfatherjosh at ascensionpress.com and let me know how y'all think we can, together as a church, address some of these uh, institutional evils that are in our midst, in our walk toward eternity. All right, we're going to take a quick break, and when we come back, we're going to dive into our final question. And if you're looking for a way to learn more about your Catholic faith, I invite you to check out the Ascension Presents YouTube channel. You're going to find tons of free videos featuring Catholic presenters like Matt Frad, Leah Darrow, Jackie Bobby Angel, and Emily Wilson. Go to youtube.com slash Ascension Presents. That's youtube.com slash Ascension Presents. And if you like what you see, please share and subscribe. And we're back. Just a quick reminder, you can send me your questions at askfatherjosh at ascensionpress.com. If you're feeling fancy, you record a voice note, send it to me as well, and we can play it on a future show. And don't forget to rate us and review us on iTunes so that other people can find out about the show. All right. Final question comes in from JP. JP says this, I know this is a difficult subject to discuss, leaving the priesthood, but I'm curious about how the church manages priests who leave the priesthood, either temporarily or permanently. Are these men still allowed to receive the sacraments and if they continue to faithfully practice Catholicism and observe the precepts of the church? Speaking specifically of the diocesan priesthood, how common is it for a priest to leave ministry? Personally, I know a handful of men who have left the diocese and priesthood, and it's incredibly sad, and they oftentimes leave the church altogether. J.P. J.P., that's a great question, and it is a difficult question because um, I, too, have had some of my friends leave the priesthood, and it is, it's painful. It's really painful. Um, yeah, so just to get to your questions first before I start talking, uh, yes, these men are still allowed to receive the sacraments um, if, if they leave the priesthood and, and do it through the church. Um, if they leave the priest and get married to somebody um, outside the church, clearly um, they should not receive the sacrament of, of the Holy Communion anytime soon, but they should receive the sacrament of reconciliation, confession, so they could be brought back to communion at some point. Um, but yeah, so they're, they're still allowed to go to Mass, participate in Mass as, as once a priest, always a priest, but, but they can um, have their faculties removed and participate in Mass that way. Um, as far as the diocese and priesthood goes, I mean, look, if, if, if you, yeah, look, all of us are fickle. We're all so fickle. I mean, some of my priests, friends who've left the priesthood, um, I, at one point I thought priests only leave because they, they're not praying their breviary or, or whatever, but like, there's just so many other factors. I mean, uh, right now in the news, Father Jonathan Morrison is in the news and I don't know this man personally. I've seen him on, on TV and 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 he tells a little bit about why he left, about how he never really felt free whenever he entered into priesthood because um, he was in a crisis. And when he was in the crisis, his founder of his religious community pushed up his ordination. So he kind of felt forced into it. And so, um, so I guess some guys do enter the priesthood, kind of like some people enter into a marriage, and they're not free, um, really free to enter. I mean, that's why formation is so important. And hopefully those things are addressed in formation. Um, and they should be. And at least they, they were in my, in my time of formation at Notre Dame Seminary. Um, but Again, maybe guys don't bring all the 
the things to the light that they're struggling with about why they maybe don't feel free. Certainly sometimes prayer is a reason why people leave because they're not rooted in prayer. But sometimes these men are rooted in prayer and these psychological things just come up, right? Um, yeah, so, I mean, look, it's 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 never easy um, on the person and it's never easy on the church, but it's possible yet to have your faculties removed and to, once a priest, always a priest, you, the indelible mark is still there, but to, to live as a person who would be free to enter into the sacrament of marriage at some point. Um, but I think this one thing that we should all remember is that all of our vocations are fickle. And if it's not for the grace of God, any of us can can fall away from our state life vocations. God's grace is what we need to rely on. And if some of us do fall away from our vocations, state of life vocations, it's really important for the church, the body of Christ, to not just condemn these people. Uh, whenever Father Jonathan Morrison, uh, is it Morris or Morrison? I forget his name. But whenever he announced that he was leaving, I saw some pretty harsh remarks on social media about the man. Uh, I heard some pretty harsh criticism from from people and just in conversations. And I was like, you know, like, I don't know the man. I don't. Um, I don't. And so I just know that he needs my prayers. He needs my fast. And I don't um, I don't like when priests leave the priesthood. You know, I don't. Um, but I want him to be a saint. And he's still called to be a saint, even if he um, steps away from ministry, even if he... Um, uh, is, has his faculties removed. And I think sometimes we can become so harsh to people who leave the priesthood, um, and that's why they don't stay in the church, because they come to church and they get our our ugly stares, and they hear the comments that we're making about them, and and they get the cold shoulder from us. And these are people who, like, helped us. Like, I've had priests in my life who've helped me, and they were a gift to me, and, and it's painful when they leave. It's so painful when they leave. Um, there's grief that happens there. But if I give them the cold shoulder when they come to Mass, that's going to maybe push them away from the sacraments. You know, we're either going to draw people to Jesus to stay with Jesus, or we're going to be a reason why people feel like they can't come to Jesus because of the way we treat them. And so it's just really necessary for all of us to be gentle with our brothers uh, and, and our sisters who live a religious life, be gentle with them and to reverence their hearts, and to pray for them and fast for them, for them to become saints. And if they ever come back, to praise God for them coming. I have one of my good friends. He left ministry. He was going to leave the priesthood, and then uh, he came back. And he's a great priest now. He's an awesome priest now, and he's doing wonderful work for God. And he's been used by God to help me in so many ways and so many people. And so, um, yeah, we just have a responsibility to, to still walk with our brothers who leave the priesthood and to love them well and to accompany them towards sainthood, because they're still called to be saints. Uh, so, yeah, but it's painful. Oh, man, it's so painful. But, yeah, we're all, all of our vocations are so fickle, and we should never think that it couldn't happen to us, right? Uh, I don't think anyone enters into a state of life vocation saying, I might leave, right? But I think that uh, just life happens sometimes, and tragedy happens, and trauma happens, and and for whatever reason, sometimes people do pull away for a while. And if they pull away, we should encourage them to, to lean into Jesus, lean into Jesus, lean into Jesus uh, in the Blessed Sacrament, in the Scriptures, and in the body of Christ. So that's, that's my thoughts on that. That's a difficult question because uh, some of my friends have left, and it's still painful at times, but I do love them, and I, I, want, I just want them to be a saint, you know? So, yeah, universal points, though, um, as far as same-sex uh, sexual activity uh, in the bedroom, uh, it's it's not life giving, right? It's not life giving. God wants us to participate in things that that bring us health, that bring us life, and so um, the Eucharist is is what we've been created for. So we should lean into the sacraments 
evermore, evermore. Uh, when it comes to leaving the priesthood, as the body of Christ, we are called to accompany our brothers and to love them well and to not, um, to not push them away from the sacraments if they, if they fall away from, from their state of life vocation. And when it comes to Netflix and boycotting Netflix and boycotting anything, I think that whenever the church can come together and, and we can get bishops on board and religious on board or our lay groups on board um, to address some of these s- social evils, uh, we have seen uh, really powerful fruit come from that in the past. And so I think we can see it in the future as well. And so it's just about being practical and discerning well with other members of the body of Christ how we can collaborate together to bring about institutional change. Um, so let's pray. In the name of the Father, and the Son, and the Holy Spirit, amen. Mother Mary, we entrust this episode to you and to your maternal love and care for us in our walk toward Jesus. Hail Mary, full of grace, the Lord is with thee. Blessed art thou among women, and blessed is the fruit of thy womb, Jesus. Holy Mary, Mother of God, pray for us sinners now and at the hour of our death. Amen.